Welcome to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. We present cold case crimes that we feel can and should be solved with your help. We provide the facts of the case and the research that we have done. Then web sleuths like you help us solve the mystery and provide the victim, family, community, and law enforcement with justice and peace of mind. This is Solve Crimes. Hey, Gavin, how are you? I'm doing all right. The, the content of today's podcast is pretty heavy. Yeah, it is. I mean, we just finished doing our, our talking head segments for the YouTube video, and it's definitely, I mean, yeah, there's a heaviness and a somber, you know, vibe going on. Yeah, so we should let, I guess, listeners know that we're going to be talking today in as much detail as we can, though we're not going to be gory about it and we're going to be respectful about it, but we're going to be talking about the day they found Judith Akari's body and we're going to talk about the clues that are there and the things that aren't there. Uh, but right. if, you, if you're a little squeamish about murder scenes and things like Why would you be looking assault. up true crime yeah. podcasts? So. <laughs> you shouldn't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and, and we should also say, uh, like we did in the video, that uh, if if you're just now coming to this podcast and hearing about the Judy Hikari case for the first time, highly recommend you go back and listen to our first two podcasts because they are, they kind of give you the build up to the, to how we got to where we are right now. Because we're going to do yeah. very little going back in time. You know, we've already talked about a lot of it. Yeah. So the day is April 25th, 1970. And I think that we've probably told people April 26th a couple times in the past. And that right. is a correction that we need to make. It's April 25th. And mm -hmm. that is mea culpa, man. I, I did the math wrong. The, <laughs> the, You're news going by the reports, newspaper. Yeah, the news reports were all came out on the 27th. And uh, in looking back to see what days of the week things were, I I was right when I made our timeline that we've been working off of, but yeah. in my mind, I, I keep saying the 26th. So and that is another is thing, since this is the podcast and we're not worried about uh, uh, doing a bunch of video editing. If people want to know more about this case and if they're really interested in helping us solve the crime, which is that is the entire purpose of, of our channels and our podcast, uh, we highly encourage you to go to our website, which is mm -hmm. solvecrimeswithrickandgavin.com. And we have, if you go under the cases uh, link at the top of the page, you'll see Judith Akari. You click on that, and we've got a, a really cool timeline, horizontal timeline that gives you all the all the crime the line pertinent. Yeah, that's right, the crime line, and it uh, and it gives you all the details and the dates that that things happened. To, it's a it's a really good way to kind of get a, a you know synopsis of what of what happened here we have links to videos and and articles and stuff like that and then and uh, we'll keep adding we'll keep oh, adding. of course yeah that's going to yeah. be going on forever one of the things that we haven't done yet uh we have 
scans of all of the newspaper articles in which we could find her name and we yes. will be adding images so that everybody can actually read those articles that's on my list tonight when insomnia kicks in but we also task. set up a forum it's kind of ugly right now but it works and there's a forum inside there when you get to the judy hikari page there's a button that says you know that tells you how to get to the forum and and we uh inside there we're going to have discussions from you know, we'll be you and I will be interacting with people as well on there. But we also want to encourage people to, to go on if they have some insight or they know someone uh, that that you know they might want to suggest that we talk to or they heard something, and mm -hmm. we'll do our best to verify that information for them because it's it's all pertinent. It, most of everything that we've covered so far has been information that we have found either on old newsreels or in newspapers, and we all know that. Try as hard as they may, journalists don't get it right every single time, right? right. So there are a lot of questions that we have that well, we believe we know the answer to, but case it in might point not be is we uh, is in the original news articles they said that Judy, uh, when they found the body, that she had been sexually molested. Now in 1970, I mean, she was raped. They oh, didn't say raped. that in 1970, but she was definitely raped in in. Uh, today's terms that we don't we don't need to be shy about the uh you know the the level that of brutality that that was upon her in fact that's a good place to start so the uh we already know that the hikers found her shallow grave they didn't touch it they immediately called authorities when authorities got there what'd they find gavin so they found the grave because a portion of her leg, either her knee or her foot or something, had been disturbed by an animal, they believe. Mm -hmm. And so they dug up the grave, and there was the body of Judith Ann Hakari, and she was stuffed into a canvas bag. We'll get back to the bag here in just a second, but let me just describe for our listeners her condition. Uh, the detectives, well, the officers, described the beating that she had taken as um, brutal and savage. One of the officers said he had never seen a, a scene like that before, uh, somebody taken such a huge beating. Her nose was described as being smashed to a pulp. Right. Her uh, jaw was broken in at least two places. Mm -hmm. uh, teeth were missing. Uh, like uh, Around her face, she had taken just an incredible beating. Uh, right. The autopsy later also found that she had uh, a, a fractured hyoid bone. I had to look that up. The hyoid bone oh, I'm, kind I'm of controls the tongue and the larynx, right? Well, it's so, a very, it's, it's a way for uh, authorities to um, determine whether or not somebody had been strangled. That's a right. It, it key, typically happens, yeah. Key item. So, oh, go ahead. No, I, I just, you know, in my head, just trying to uh, keep everything straight. That we're uh, this. There's a lot. That's the thing so, about this so case. There's so much. That's the beating, right? That's yes. the beating around her head. Right. The next thing going, I guess, going down her body is. Well, we should has, probably before we go into the, all that. Uh, they determined later that they their their guesstimate was that she had been there roughly six weeks. Correct. Okay. Six so, weeks. So in that, when and I heard that, my seven first thought weeks had had passed since the time that she had. Right. So there's a week there that there, you know, could possibly be that she was tortured. There, there was that uh, there there had been that theory at some point in the newspaper that the authorities might set. And I think it's because they 
they saw the brutality and they they weren't sure if all of it was done at one time or if she she had been kept for for several days so yeah some at least some of the uh, law enforcement I guess officers believed that she had been alive for several days before her death you know so well that and well, that and she was well she was well preserved too so right. so I believe that she she was probably killed on site um, and then they got her in that cold ground right in that bag and that kept her from decomposing too quickly yeah because uh, we we discussed that Weimar is about 2200 feet in al altitude and uh, mm -hmm. and during that time of year it's it's chilly down you know even on uh, under a thousand feet so up up there it would it would definitely preserve but I when I heard that they guessed it was six weeks my the first thing that came to my mind was that was right around the time that the landowner that owned the land where she was found came upon those three gentlemen with a shovel there were three gentlemen with a shovel in a car with a sedan, mm -hmm. but we'll get into those suspects in a later right, episode. Right. But but as far it, as the timeline goes and, and the condition of the body, that that's the first thing I thought of. Uh, yeah. Not to mention having a nose crushed with a broken jaw, would a shovel to the face would do that. Yeah, and that's something that law enforcement tried to find as they combed the area and they sifted through things. They tried to find a shovel because they believed that that might have been the implement that was used mm -hmm. uh, to lay down that beating on her. The um, coroner, her, the cause of death for Judy Akari was blunt force trauma and strangulation. It was both of right. those things. Right. Um, right. I, just real quick, going back on uh, on Weimar real quick yeah 2200 feet doesn't seem like it to a lot of people would be very cold in april in california and i just want to kind of talk about that a little bit okay. um most people when you think california you probably are thinking um southern california or you know maybe as far north as monterey or santa cruz or something like that but mm -hmm. um northern california gets cold specifically the sacramento valley gets cold because of the geography of the area. And I only know this because of, you know, flight school and having to learn meteorology for the, for, well, learn meteorology, but I was flying in California for the first 20 years of, of my private pilot activity. So what happens in, Cal in the Sacramento Valley is every night it gets very cold. It, it comes as, we call it the Delta Breeze. It's blown off of the San Francisco Bay. It goes up the Sacramento Delta, and mm -hmm. then it get, makes it into the northern part of the Central Valley, and then it starts to hit the Sierra Nevada, where as it raises in altitude, it drops in temperature even more. Well, because it's also meeting the cold air coming from the mountains, right? The, yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the rule of thumb is that every thousand feet in elevation you go up from the bay you lose about two degrees celsius in temperature so it happens real right. fast so right. the point of all this is that is that we're saying that 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 those facts absolutely could play a part in preserving the body yeah plus the earth just made it through winter you know the mm -hmm. the ground is cold so we believe that that's the reason that she was preserved pretty well right. is very cold ground because of so so going back to how we started this a uh, few minutes ago where uh we were talking about what was, you know, she was found in a canvas bag and mm -hmm. uh, describe the 
the bag for me as as you've heard it. So the bag, um, I we don't know exactly the dimensions of the bag. It was big enough mm -hmm. to stuff at least part of Judy Hikari's five foot two frame and one hundred and eighteen pounds. Right. It, right. Um, it was reported that it was manufactured somewhere locally in the Sacramento Valley and that that particular bag was used in facilities that had gymnasiums, things like schools. Um, well, we can, we can go ahead and say this much. Uh, you happen to know or heard that, uh, that a specific school district was uh, emblazoned on the bag and, well, and it wasn't you don't want to say on it the bag. I, I don't want to say it because I we, we want to verify before we, we want to verify it. it but we believe that that bag may have just been used by one single school district but th what we know mm -hmm. is that it was used by facilities that had locker rooms like schools like okay. gyms like a hospital Right, but you had heard that there was a specific school district yes. somewhere on the bag, right? Okay, and, and no, that not school... that, it, uh, not oh, that it's didn't? marked on the bag, just that it was made specifically oh. by that company for that specific school district. Okay, okay, but we Which, wanna... and, and it was a suburb of, of Sacramento. We'll, we'll get into that later if we, if we can verify that. Yeah, and um, it would be the school district that Judy Hikari attended school mm. in. Great. Yeah. So probably no reason for her to have that on her person, so it probably came from the killer or killers. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any reports from anybody saying that in the trunk of her car, for example, there was one of these bags. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I feel like that would be there somewhere. Right. Um, plus, you know, her car wasn't taken with her and it didn't, there's no report of it being ransacked. Yeah. Uh, you know, to get, to back up just a little bit, there is one other thing that I've been thinking about, Rick. All of the- um, Just one. Oh my goodness, there's so many. But all of the evidence of that was in Judy Hikari's car mm -hmm. was, other than the keys that were on the floorboard in front, everything else was in the back. The uh, ravels, the remnants of the towels, the buttons, everything was in the back. So, oh, was it? Mm -hmm. Okay, I, didn't, I don't remember that part. So what I've kind of come to believe on that is that the killer may not have, like... Um, he may not have accosted her at the parking lot. He could have been in the car. Right. Okay. In the back. Could have been in the car from the hospital. Could have been. And remember, and I know we'll go over suspects in more detail later, but remember there was a bearded young man who had gone mm -hmm. to the nurse's station asking for Judy. Asking if Judith was on duty tonight. Right. Uh, now, in fairness, there were four Judiths on duty yeah. that night, right? Right, so, but. <laughs> but it, it's kind of weird, right? It so, is very, it's certainly, uh, you know, it's certainly something to put a pin in, that's for sure. So this is a question that we're going to be asking uh, Sacramento County Sheriff's Office is, is specifically about that bag. Did it go to a, was it manufactured specifically in Sacramento for a specific school district? Once we know that, then we'll, then we'll talk about it more. Right. Um, I think the next thing we should talk about, Rick, is probably um, her her neck. Well, well, the the towel, which was on her neck. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Okay, okay. So it was on her neck, but we it it, it is an easy connection. It 
uh, according to what we've read, it did match the remnants of towel that was found in her car. That's what we understand, at yeah, least which the, makes perfect uh, sense. You know, the the reporters and the stories mm -hmm. made that connection. Okay. So basically, what happened was, um, or what they found was, one of Judy Hakari's stockings was wrapped tightly around her neck, like it mm -hmm. was the it was the murder weapon. It was used right. to strangle her. Right. Also around her neck, but. Um, it sounds to me like it was more on her neck. It was loosely on mm -hmm. her neck. Was a strip, was that the description a, you you read? Yeah, yeah. It was loosely there. Okay. Um, was a remnant like a strip of that cannon ribbed towel. Okay. Uh, it was reported that law enforcement believed that that was used as a gag. Oh, okay. Okay. I, but and now, do I do I remember? When we've talked about this, this uh, maybe it was episode one, but I, I, uh, um, I remember you saying that the towel was was something that would be used um, in like a, a gym or, or something like that. Yeah, it was like a commercial style. It wasn't okay. something that you'd buy it, you know. Well, in 1970s, you wouldn't go to Macy's to buy that towel. It was right. like a... Well, was... and the reason why I brought that up is because we're, you know, there's so much to tell here, you know, as far as a story, but we do have to keep in mind that we're we're trying to solve this crime. And right. if someone who's listening to this uh, remembers that they're whatever, right? Their uncle, uh, brother, cousin, grandparent, Grandpa, yeah, yeah, uh, worked at a school, maybe or ABC was, Towel Factory, or you know. whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, because uh, well, because if we talk about the uh, that the sack was used in a school district and mm -hmm. the towels could possibly be from, you know, a gym, uh, you know, the locker room, uh, at the high school, it might help others make that connection. And that's, that's why we talk about all these details. Cause mm -hmm. we, it may mean nothing to us, but someone else may go, Hmm, you know, I remember. And that's, that could blow the whole thing open. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the next thing that I would talk about with, uh, the condition of the body is the, probably the sexual assault part. So right. Judy Hikari was found in her nurse's uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, on her uniform, there were pins. One had her name on it, right. uh, like her name badge, and one was a green CSU Sacramento pin, okay. um, so, which is the school where she got her registered nurse credential or degree. I haven't figured that out either, if, right. if she got a bachelor's degree or if she got her credential. Uh, or whatever they call that, her certificate. Right. Um, but that was there. I think it's actually a bachelor's in nursing. I think it comes Well, it is it. now. Oh, okay. But, but I don't know that it was in 1970. Gotcha. And, and there still are programs where you can become a registered nurse without getting a bachelor's degree. And, hmm. and at the time, Sac State was not California State University, Sacramento. It was, Sacram let's see, Sacramento State College, I think. Okay. Right? Okay. So it was just a local little college that, that people went right. to. And also school, going, going by that, all of those things made identifying her fairly easy. easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, her, you know what I'm not sure of, Rick, is I don't know where her coat went. Mm. Nobody's ever mentioned that. Uh, in all of the stuff that's missing, I have never heard it mentioned. In all the stuff that was there, I've never heard it mentioned. But And that is a huge thing about 
this episode is uh, what we were talking about, what is there, what was found. Um, and we're hoping that, and more importantly, what wasn't found may help us solve this case. I really hope that whoever did this took a trophy. I just yeah. hope. Well, we, we talked about her purse has never been found. So mm -hmm. that is somewhere, uh, you know, her watch. could be landfill. It could be, and there's the, the watch. It was a Timex. Mm -hmm. It was a silver Timex nurse's duty watch. And it, describe the purse again. So the purse was described as a black leather green purse. Okay. That, that's all. That's all I've got. But and it would have personal items in there. Right. It would have her driver's license, which I, I mm -hmm. key in on because I've, you know, heard that before as, as a trophy that's taken because it's small and it can be hidden, you it's know, uh, yeah, fairly small. easily. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, and we, that's the thing that may break this open and just getting this out there. That's why we encourage everybody to share and like and all that kind of stuff to get the word out because it may be something that, you know, if, uh, I mean, cause this, this is 50 years ago. So whoever did this was probably minimum 70 years old by now, uh, oh, you know, or, yeah. or roughly in that area. So, or older. So we, yeah. you know, so if someone's clearing out grandpa's storage unit or uh, stuff from his house and they come across a driver's license with, uh, a strange lady on it with the last name of Akari that may trigger stuff. I mean, cause you know, we want to solve this case, but we're also not so, uh, um, you know, innocent or ignorant enough to think that, you know, the odds of the person being alive, <laughs> you know, they go down after 50 years. So, but it would sure. still help law enforcement and communities heal and, and solving a case like that can help law enforcement look at other cases and see if they can put the puzzle pieces together. And, uh, and that does help law enforcement and the communities, you know, it, yeah. it absolutely helps. Yeah. So getting back to her body, her nurse's uniform was open. It was, okay. it was like open. Right. Um, her, her bra was in the grave with her. It was on her, but it was torn in two. Okay. Um, her underwear, her panties. So was it torn or was it cut? Um, so is that I, un unclear? I think I think I've read that it was torn. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. Now that you think about it, I I don't know. We'll have to look at that and and ask that question in Sacramento County, hopefully, or maybe Placer County. They they might be right. able to share that with us. Um, her panties were in the grave underneath her. They were not on her. Okay. Uh, they they talked about having some detectives come in to do a toxicology exam, mm -hmm. uh, and anyway the 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 reports at the time were that she was sexually molested, that she it be, then became sexually assaulted, and then the headlines started to look like sex murder, you know, right. clues, you know, stuff like that. So, right. um, in today's parlance, because we're a little more. Uh, to the point in 2020 mm -hmm. than they were in 1970. Mm -hmm. Judy Hikari was raped. I, I am, I'm nearly certain of it. And yeah, uh, well, they they called that out almost immediately. So there must have been some uh, reasons for that. Yeah, I mean, th there are other um, speculations out on the internet that say that that didn't happen. But mm -hmm. I just, I well, don't. Considering there was no usable DNA collected at the at the crime scene it's really a moot point 
to some degree. I mean, it's it's other than understanding how sick the perpetrator mm. is, right? I mean, right, right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I hate I mean, thinking about a, stuff like this, man. I just it just kills me. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, I mean, essentially, she endured anything bad that can happen in that situation. She, mm-hmm. she kind of got, got it all. And, uh, all. yep. And that is why, like I said, it, that's why it's so important to, uh, to solve this case. Even if it's 50 years later, it doesn't make it less important. Like we've said many times, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, so the, uh, you know, I, I, I still go back to how her parents had to read that and hear about that. Man. You know, because I don't know about you, but I, you know, finding that out after the fact, you immediately go to my daughter needed me and I wasn't there. Even, even the greatest guys, they're gonna, you're going to think that. Mm-hmm. Well, you and I both had both have had the experience of like our our daughters around Judy Hikari's age going off to college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. and. Like in the case of our daughter, she was in a safe place, you right. know, but right. freaking so was Judy Hikari. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Her apartment complex was, was, I mean, you know. It wasn't again, the best part of town. Yeah, but it, but it was not, you know, it it's not. The worst. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. It, it was not the worst by, by any stretch. Um, you know, it, it was uh yeah, a lot, so, of, a lot of good shopping going on right around there and movie theaters in the 70s. And, you right. know, it was Hustle and Bustle was right next to two of the nicest, swankiest neighborhoods in all of Sacramento mm-hmm. to yeah. this day. Yeah. And a couple know? of was like, I mean, I haven't done the, the uh, measurement on it, but it was maybe a mile and a half from the Arden Fair Mall. Yeah. And from like um, Arden Park, which is just a swanky neighborhood. Right. Probably three miles less. I mean, the bottom line is that. there is, you know, I mean, it, anything outside of being behind security gates with with guards, uh, you know, it it no nowhere is 100 percent safe. Someone if someone wants number one, if someone wants to do this specifically to you, they're going to figure it out. And if it's someone who wants to do that to someone and they're an opportunist, they they'll hide in the shadows until they I mean, they. I mean, you know, the cases that I've read, I mean, it's because uh, I'm interested in the psychology of it all. Uh, the cases that I've read, there they're, they're are people who want, they have that urge. And sometimes they go out and scout for hours and end up going home, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so they're, they're opportunists. They're looking for the situation that fits in their brain that, they, that they're looking for their optimal situation. So it could very, very easily be that. Yeah. Um, th- there's one thing that we haven't mentioned that was there and that was her engagement ring was still on her hand. And that's what's so, I don't know. That's kind I, of a bizarre one to me. I they kind of they figured take her watch, to, but they leave the yeah, ring. Yeah. The watch wasn't purse, there. Her purse wasn't there, it. but her ring was there. Like if you're going to take a trophy, yeah, uh, an engagement ring would be, um, I, I probably just as easily concealed as. Mm-hmm. as a driver's license. driver's license. And right. you know what? It was just this, well, a couple of days ago that I found out what kind of ring it was. Oh, tell that story. That's, it just Gosh, makes this it. all the more bizarre. 
Well, and I, I think on this podcast I've mentioned a couple times, at least in different posts, Judy Carrier reminds me of my mom so right. much. Right. You know, um, she was a little bit older than my mom, but just a couple years. And then you found out they were 12th cousins. Yeah, then they're related. Well, yeah. So, okay. So, so you heard watch, about the description of the ring. The description of the ring. Now, th- this was a popular kind of style in the 19, late 1960s, early 1970s. Mm-hmm. It, it's, they antiqued, quote unquote, the gold. And right. they did that using black paint, right? So in the, in the ring, there would be reliefs, you know, etches in there, and then they would paint it, and then they would rub it off and, on the high spots, and it would stay in the low spots, right? right? So, uh, so that, that was pretty popular for the time. My mom has an antique ring. Uh, but then I found out that it was described as an antique gold rose with a diamond in the in the blossom. <laughs> That's freaking my mom's mm. engagement ring. Wow. Like, it, like it there's, is. there's so many moments in this case where it gives you chills for all kinds of different reasons. And, you know, it, uh, yeah. And now, personalizes. Now it. that was, it was a popular style at the time. There, there were yeah. thousands yeah. of young women that, that have right. that ring. Um, but it's still a little freaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I read that, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to get too personal because it's because it's my my mother. But I, it it's known anybody who has seen her ring knows that it is an antique gold rose mm-hmm. with a diamond in in the blossom. Wow. But that's so it, the, it just that, you know going back the to the going back to the case, it's like that. So curious why that wouldn't have been taken. Yeah, and that is the item that was brought back to show Bill and Evelyn Akari to say, we found your daughter. They recognize uh, the ring. It's a very recognizable style. Yeah. It's, that, it's not that just is a, a marquee. Talk about, or, yeah. talk about an exclamation mark. Oh, man. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we talked about it in the, in the uh, YouTube video that we're going to put up soon. It, uh, uh, the emotions, you know, her, when he was told, uh, the the he said two words to the officer and that was thank you and when i heard when i read that i it it just it, there's so many layers to those two words it must have been and i know it sounds weird but it must have been a relief to to just know right either way um and then well it, they would it must, have suspected it they had hoped of course of course it, it was in the back of their mind um but, but it also ended the wondering yeah Right, which is and, another, and that would bring some relief. I, I think absolutely. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I, but I was just thinking of you know, two little words, but there was a lot behind it. Yeah. So that was uh, yeah. So I think, you know, to recap, and we're going to be putting a lot of this stuff as much detail as we can, and we're going to get try and get corroboration on. Uh, on the descriptions of things um, to make sure that we're putting up the the correct stuff. But uh, we're going to have an area on the Judy Hikari page on our website that will feature the, the items that, that we know were never recovered and as best descriptions as we can give that way. Cause at this point without DNA evidence to compare to anyone. Um, and as far as I know, no fingerprints uh, we're uh, we're looking at it. It's going to be something that, we can tie a person to that murder. 
with a thing. A, a with a thing. That's right. Something, thing. something identifiable. Right. I, I'm really hoping that somebody will be going through Grandpa's old things and mm -hmm. see a driver's license of Judith yep. and Hikari. Me too. Yep. Or a storage unit. Yeah. I mean, I think the law enforcement has a lot more on this case than we know. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I watched an old Channel 13 newsreel where uh, one of the news reporters had asked, is this your best lead? And he said, it's a good lead. We have lots of leads. Right. And this is so, so that people know that this is a newsreel that was about this case. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, the uh, how little they had to go on for this case. It, uh, I mean, you know, today, if this had happened, number one, there'd probably be GPS. They could they could uh, track her cell phone. They can look at security uh, footage from the parking lot. They could look at, uh, you know, traffic cameras at all different points exiting the city uh, or in and around her. I mean, there's so many things that they have that are so useful in in uh, finding someone and, and a lead. Uh, but back then, very little. Yeah, it actually becomes all that much more impressive that cases like these are solved at all. Uh, right, right. Right. I mean, it was hard work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've heard I've heard commentary from other you know, podcasts and other things that I've seen online that really kind of take the police to task on this. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple things that I think were kind of sketchy as far as the police side of things, but overall, I think they did the best they could. The one thing that I would say is um, Sheriff John Misterly said a, about a week after the fact that, you know, it's possible that she could have just walked away uh, he said, you know, she's, she's, uh, she becomes depressed sometimes. This she is, this is prior to her bodies being discovered though, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but they had all that evidence of a struggle and, and that's yeah. where people kind of take them to task. Right. Right. And, and I think we have to remember, first of all, the, the time. sheriff, well, the time and the sheriff was, is an elected <laughs> position. Right. He's right. a politician. He's not really yes. anything more than that. That is correct. Uh, and Mr. Lee, John Mr. Lee had a reputation of being a real character of a, yeah, of a I mean, small town sheriff. In that vein, um, it, uh, and I think what you're getting at is that, uh, um, you know, the scorecard when you go to be reelected, having one less unsolved murder helped yeah. him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it's, I mean, no disrespect at all to law enforcement, but a 50-year-old case, the odds of, of making it to the point where you, you can solve it is, uh, especially with the lack of evidence that we're talking about, um, is tough. So, I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, they've, they've got plenty of, I mean, the people who handle cold cases uh, that are active duty, you know, I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, there are some cold case divisions that are led by retired detectives that's mm -hmm. different but the ones that are led and i and i i believe this one is uh here in sacramento um is led by active working detectives that work on new cases and they're they're overloaded you know that's the bottom line they're they overloaded are, and looking back at 1970 they were too if if after a week they had chased down every single lead that they could mm -hmm. chase down and it turned to nothing what is their choice they kind of have to wait until another lead comes in 
right? right. And that is, and so I just want to make it clear that we're not second guessing law enforcement. What yeah. we're doing is we know, we totally understand the situation. And I mean, no one, no one would expect anybody to be on this full-time, part-time, half part-time, you know what I mean? So what we're trying to do is we know that there've been other cases that have been solved with, with little to no uh, evidence. Um, we're just trying to bring things back up, you know, yes. and, and try to bring it into the spotlight so that again, uh, if somebody sees one of these videos and even a year or two from now comes across that driver's license, they'll make that connection. And that's what we're trying to do here. Or, you know, one of the things that really sucked about this case, Rick, I think we've shared this before, but this was literally the first case that we looked at when we considered doing this series. Mm -hmm. uh, we were on the phone or on Skype or something like that. You're like, hey, I'm just going to go to Sac Sheriff. Yeah, they have a cold case yeah. thing. Look at this. And, and I was the first just like, time you and I both heard that name. Yeah, that was the very first time. And when we searched it, what did we find? Almost nothing. Almost yeah, well, nothing. We found, uh, well, it, we didn't find almost nothing. We found a lot of reference to her. But but right? no information. But in in connection with other murders. Yes. You know, not not like a focus on, on Judy. Yeah, it was just in right. passing. And we'll you know as we go on here, we'll go into the other uh, related cases. Um, you know, uh, uh, Carol Hilburn and um, and uh, Nancy uh, Banalek. Now yeah, Nancy Banalek and possibly Donna Lass. Yeah, we'll go into all that. Um, but we really felt that uh, that Judy deserved the you know the. I don't know what the what the right word is there. It's not spotlight, but it, she she definitely deserved to have. She deserves uh, the attention. The case definitely does deserve the attention, and her. I guess it's her story that deserves it, attention, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just out of a. I mean, it's bittersweet, but it it's a very interesting thing. And I and and you know, we've talked about this. We we would we've gone back and forth as far as uh, when we first took on this case that. Uh, that it is, we're not trying to sensationalize it for our own benefit necessarily. It is, we know, and we'll, and again, we'll do another episode on this. Uh, we know that that the cases that draw people in, that make it personal and and gets people, you know, feeling something about it, and, and those are the ones that that don't just die right away. And it so it's so that is what we're trying to do here is is uh, we do want to add. A little bit of drama and and that kind of thing and kind of pull you in and, and get to know Judy because then it then it means something to you and that's part of our strategy the other part of yes. our strategy is trying to create a, a space on the internet so that when you go and you search mm -hmm. Judith Ann Hikari you find the information the page that we have up, up right now isn't even done with all the information we have and that's more informative than anything we've yes. got on the internet there's yeah, no so, timeline. There's no uh, collection of photos. There's no collection of articles. There's no videos. There's no nothing. So we're, you know, so we're putting them at up. the very least, we're, you know, even if it's five years from now, uh, at the very least, we, we accomplish that. If somebody searches for Judith Ann Hakari, yes. we want we want them to be able to find it. That's part of this, the strategy that we hope that, yeah. that we're bringing to this. Minimal. The, yeah. the ultimate goal is to uh, is to solve the case, but. You know, we're uh, we're we're doing everything we can on all fronts. Yeah, we're going to talk. You know, you kind of touched on that, but the one of the reasons that Joseph D'Angelo mm -hmm. was caught was because a web sleuth who yes. devoted mo much of her life 
to the victims of that guy decided to change what they called him right. from the Visalia ransacker to the East Area rapist to the original Night Stalker. She made it the Golden State Killer, and she and she mm -hmm. connected those she, together. Here's what she did: she rebranded him. That's right. And it 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 put a shot of energy into that case. Uh, also, with you know, she she had done a uh, and we're and you know, um, she had written a, a big expose in uh, in the Los Angeles Magazine, which went viral. Mm -hmm. so. Well, one of the sad things about this is that, uh, so I was raised in the Sacramento Valley uh, in, in a rural suburb of Sacramento. Uh, you spent, how, how many years have you lived in the Sacramento area? Forever, right? Because you yeah. are old, Trace, well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but we've, we've both spent many decades in Sacramento, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never heard of this. Right. And any time that I have shared it with anybody, and this is not, well, this is anecdotal, but I mean, you can look at my Facebook feed when I share what we're doing. Other people who I went to school with from like fourth grade, I never all the way through this. graduating from college, I had no right. idea about this. Right, right. And that's a that's a real problem. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll get into more of that stuff. I mean, we I think we've covered what was found and not found in the grave, and that and uh, you know. Uh, starting with April 25th and beyond, and that's that's really what we were trying to cover in this in this episode. And uh, you know the the upcoming episodes, as we've hinted at, are uh, you know the suspect episode is going to be a pretty big one because uh, there's there's more than you could imagine, uh, and there are a couple that we actually have thought of that other people haven't, uh, and so uh, and areas to explore that we're not even sure were explored then. So uh, so there's uh, there's a lot to talk about and unpack there with um with regards to suspects and uh you know so that's 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 coming up yep great thanks gavin i i appreciate it all right rick and everybody uh if you're still listening uh make sure that you check out our website and uh and the companion youtube channel they they go hand in hand so if you're interested in this case definitely take the time to to watch the youtube videos uh they're you know, they're obviously more visual. So we have uh, photos and, and things of that nature on there and articles. Uh, and uh, this is the more long form version of, of those episodes. Great. All right, Gavin, till next time. Yeah. Till the next time we talk, it's probably going to be in like 20 minutes, minutes. when we find something <laughs> else out. <right>? Exactly. <laughs> All right. See you. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to the solve crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. Please subscribe to stay up to date with the cases we feature. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin, for more details and visuals that we can't provide here. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. If you have information on this or any of the cases that we feature, or if you'd like to join the discussion in our case forums, please visit solvecrimeswithrickandgavin.com. We have a page featuring this case that features an exclusive Solve Crimes crime line that shows the details of the case from the beginning through today.